We shouldn't have to have goosebumps. God says, I'm going to be there with you. I love you. I'll be there with you to the end. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Today we're going to find our text in Genesis chapter 39. And I entitled this message, When the Party is Over. Over. Don't you hate when that happens? It's when reality hits us between the eyes. It's when we know the party is simply over. It's when all the fun, it's when all the excitement is done with. It's like somehow the rain clouds have swept in and now it's raining all over our parade. I remember when I was 16 years old, my parents told me that they were getting a divorce. It was kind of surreal hearing that as I thought to myself, okay, what does that even mean to me exactly? You know, what do I do now? Maybe you've had something tragic happen to you, some unexpected bad news, a loss of a loved one, a family member or a close friend. Maybe it's been something else like a loss of a job. Whatever it may be, it's left you a little bit in a tailspin in life hasn't been the same. It's affected the way you live. And your life has now changed because of that event or the change in your circumstances. Now, life is different from the way that it used to be. Well, as we pick back up in our study through the book of Genesis, our hearts have to go out to this young man named Joseph. From the time that he was born, he was the apple of his father Jacob's eye. And because of that, he was better treated than all of his older brothers. He had 11 brothers in all. And all of his older ones, the 10 of them, you know, it's like they hated him. And it's not his fault. We never read of Joseph demanding special treatment. He was simply favored by his dad, probably because he was the firstborn of the only woman that his father truly loved, and that was Rachel. As you know, Jacob ended up with four wives. He didn't want four wives. He only wanted one wife, but he got put in a club by his father-in-law, and it just went into out-of-control tailspin, but nonetheless, the only woman that he loved was Rachel, and of course, Joseph was the firstborn of Rachel. We know Joseph tried to please his father. As you remember, uh, he was a tattletale on his older brothers, for his father had said, uh, go out and check up on your brothers, and he would bring back a bad report. Well, they're lazy, and they're slackers, and they're not working hard. Well, one of the signs of affection that Jacob had for Joseph was giving him a multicolored robe. This was not only a sign of his father's affection, but it was also a daily reminder to tell his brothers uh, of the favored position and authority that he had over them. Again, he never asked for it, but that's what it was. Yes, Joseph had position over his older brothers, and they knew it. This, of course, wasn't fair for all of his siblings. It's never a healthy thing in a family to favor one child over another, never. 
And as we saw last time, Joseph's brothers couldn't stand it any longer. In fact, in the, you know, chapter 37, it said they hated him. And then it said they hated him more. And then, then he hated him even more. They, they hated their younger brother. Yeah, and that's when that ugly sin nature raised up within those brothers. Yes, hatred and jealousy continued to consume them and consume their every thought. And when jealousy consumes our thoughts, it's like it can quickly consume our lives. That's when we can be tempted to retaliate and want and desire to strike back against that thing that we're jealous of. And we could cause us to do something that maybe we had never dreamed of doing in the past. Yes, it all starts in the realm of the mind. And that's why it's critically important for you and for me to guard against what we dwell on in our own minds. We're told in 2 Corinthians 10.5, that we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, we are taking every thought captive. Did you get that? We are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now that word captive there in that verse, in the original Greek language, means to take as a prisoner. So what he's saying there to us, it gives us a picture of taking every thought of outrage captive by locking those thoughts down into a prison cell to render them no longer able to operate within us, which stirs up hatred, jealousy, and envy. Do you see why he says that to us? Because those things, jealousy, hatred, and envy, we will later regret the fruit that comes from those things. Remember the time that Jesus was going to speak to the Samaritans? He said, I'm going to go speak to the Samaritans. He got there and the Samaritan says, no, go away from here. We don't, we don't want you here. He's like, oh, really? You don't want the Messiah, the Savior to come and speak to you? And then listen to what James and John, the, his, you know, the sons of thunder, you could say, that's what they were called. And uh, they were two disciples of Jesus. You know, of course, James and John were brothers and, and of John's the one that wrote the gospel of John. But it says in Luke 9.54, this is what they said to Jesus. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? It's like, what? It's like as if they could command fire to come down from heaven to consume them. It's like Jesus turned and, and he rebuked them. He says, you do not know what kind of spirit you are. That's the spirit of Satan, okay? He says, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then they went to another village. It's like, uh, no, settle down, boys, okay? I don't want you to call down fire from heaven that you can't do on your own anyway. I don't want you to roast anyone. See, I think we get that kind of attitude, don't we? Don't we have an attitude of like, oh yeah, you don't believe in this? Well, God's going to roast you. You're going to see when you're burning in the pits of hell. You know, it's like, oh my goodness. So before we judge James and John on being completely heartless, we have to look in the mirror because I never cease to amaze myself at how much I can fall into this area 
myself. I see some of these wicked politicians that are so hypocritical. You know, they'll, you know, judge a, a, a conservative for this, but then they'll see liberals do the same thing 10 times more. And it's like, oh, we don't say anything about that at all. And I just say, well, you know, Lord, if that person is never going to come to know you as their savior, could you just like roast them? Could they just like, you know, be gone from our political system? Yes. You have to control those thoughts and take them captive because you want to hurt people. At least I do. But anyway, that's just me. I'm giving you my weaknesses here. But anyway, getting back to Joseph, the fact that was he was his father's favorite added with he was a little tattletale. He was a snitch. And it didn't, you know, it did nothing but stir up the hatred that his brothers had towards him. It festered like a wound that hasn't been cleaned. You ever cut yourself and it starts getting infected? It gets all red and you touch it and it's just sore and all of that because you didn't take peroxide and clean it out. Yes, the deep-seated hatred can turn into an infection of hate within us. As his older brothers, they ended up wanting to kill Joseph. Yet, as we saw a couple studies ago, God in his mercy, working through two of his older brothers, Reuben and Judah, spared Joseph's life as they sold him to some traveling Ishmaelite slave traders. They sold him as a slave for 20 shekels of silver. Well, the Bible tells us that it's 30 shekels of silver is what a slave was worth. So they even got the bargain deal uh, selling him because it wasn't about the money. They just wanted to get rid of their little brother. They hated him. They just wanted Joseph out of their life for good. Could you imagine, though, what Joseph was thinking as he was handcuffed and thrown into a cage with other slaves as his brothers just said, yeah, goodbye and good riddance as they hauled him away? One second, he's the favored son of his father. The next second, he's a common slave, the scum of the earth, to be sold to the highest bidder. He went from a place of prestige and position to a place of emptiness and wretchedness. As you remember, Jacob's, uh, Jacob, his father, was a wealthy man, you know, and yet Joseph now has nothing and nothing to look forward to. He went from a young man seeing visions and dreams from the hand of God to now being one step up from a common criminal, you know, held behind a locked door with chains around his ankles, being taken to a place where they speak a different language. This had to be the most horrific experience for this teenager. He's only a teenager. I'm sure Joseph learned real quick how to cry himself to sleep. Well, with that as a backdrop, as we read in Genesis chapter 39, we'll start, of course, in verse 1. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. So he became a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, the master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now, this happened over several years, so he's no longer just a teenager. This years are going by. This is happening. We're not told how long. Verse 4, so Joseph found favor in the sight. 
in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house and all that he owned, he put in his charge. And it came about that from the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessings was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. And with him, there he did, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Boy, think about that. Things are going so great now with this kid running everything. All I have to do now every day is get up and think about what I'm going to eat. What kind of a life is that? Well, how sweet is that? I get up today. What do you got going today? I don't know. I'm just going to decide where I'm going to go eat today. That's right. That's all I think about. Wow. So Joseph is sold in Egypt to the highest bidder, which happens to be this man named Potiphar. Now, he was an officer of Pharaoh's personal bodyguard. Maybe it's equivalent to like the FBI or the CIA. It was a special unit for sure that was put in charge of protecting Pharaoh himself. Now, Potiphar was obviously a wealthy man. He was well-to-do. He was a man of power and position. We're told that he had many servants, many servants. And now Joseph is just one of many slaves. This is where Joseph could have become a miserable person. He look, it's obvious. He had been given the raw end of the deal. Life had turned sour on him. His circumstances have worked out for the worst. Yet Joseph doesn't walk around with his head hung, you know, in a pall of misery. He's not spilling his misery out on whoever would listen to me. Oh, woe is me. I've changed my name from Joseph to Eeyore. I have such a hard time. Everything is so horrible. You know, instead, what does Joseph do? Verse 2 said that the Lord was with him. Boy, how great is that? Man, if you don't hear anything else today, hear that. The Lord is with you. If you're a believer, I don't care what you're going through. God is with you today. How about that? And he was committed to his new job as a slave. And what does he do? He outworks all the other slaves. He gets in there and works. You know, I hear believers come and tell me, oh, I lost my job, or I didn't get promoted. I can't believe it. I've been there longer than anyone else. I got more seniority, and, and, and they gave the promotion to someone else. Well, have you ever thought that maybe that guy outworked you? Do you ever think that that gal outworked you? Do you ever think that they're more committed? Have you ever thought that maybe they deserved it and you didn't? Because look, we need to work hard. I remember getting into the union. I was just uh, 18 years old when I got into the union. I was a union linoleum floor layer, okay? And so I was working hard at the company that I worked at, and I worked so hard that I was laying more linoleum every day than everyone else. I was laying between 80 and 100 yards of linoleum a day where the average guy was laying 35 to 40. And so I had older guys come to me and saying, hey, you know what? You need to slow down. You're making us look bad. And I remember looking at them saying, I'm not making you look bad. 
you are making you look bad, okay? And I worked hard. I outworked everyone else. And what did that cost me? It cost me to be the number one floor layer in that company, which caused me to get paid above union scale. So it's like I worked hard. This is what Joseph did. He got in there and he said, hey, you know what? I don't care whatever's going on here, but God is with me, and I'm going to work hard in everything that he did, and he did it as unto the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, he says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Not by the way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart with good will render service as unto the Lord. And not unto men, knowing that whatever good deed each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether you're a slave or a free man. He says, do your job as unto the Lord. Do it as pleasing to God, and God will bless you. Yes, Joseph was obeying to the letter what was written in Ephesians 6 before Ephesians 6 was ever written. This is like 4,000 years earlier. And yet, not only is he doing what Ephesians 6, which would be written 4,000 years later, but he's getting the benefit of it also. Why? Because God never changes. And the principles that he has never changes. Even though this wasn't recorded until 4,000 years later, it was still the same principle. Do your job as unto the Lord. Work hard, and God will bless you. He was obedient. He worked with a heart of sincerity as under the Lord. And he didn't just serve with eye service. Oh, we got to work hard because the boss is here. Let's just work when he's around hard. He worked hard at all times. And guess what? That's how the Lord watches us. He watches us all the time, not just when the boss is there. Joseph simply lived his life as unto the Lord. And notice what God tells us in Ephesians 6. If we do this, That if is there, because if you do it, it will happen, and if you don't, it won't. But if we do this, God will cause blessings to follow our actions. Yes, just like what God did in Joseph's life some 6,000 years ago, God will still do in our lives here today if we honor him. Why again? Because God again never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, Joseph was stripped of his coat of many colors, but he was not stripped of his love for God, nor of his character or his integrity. Why again? Because he had true character and true integrity. He had a true and a real love for the Lord. And though his circumstances and his quality of life had radically changed for the worse, Joseph was simply not going to allow what his brothers did to affect his relationship with God. I wonder what happens to us when our circumstances change for the worse. Does our servanthood and our desire to please God go up and down with how God is blessing us? Depending on the quality of our life, depending on how things are going for us or how much we can physically see God moving in our lives, 
It's something for us to think about. We shouldn't have to have goosebumps. God says, I'm going to be there with you. I love you. I'll be there with you to the end. Do you have to have a goosebump to follow that up? Or can you just believe what I say in my word? See, for Joseph, and because of the genuineness of his love for God, God unleashed blessings in this young man's life. Don't miss this. God blesses obedience. Did you get that? He blesses obedience. He doesn't bless because you claimed his blessing. You say, claim the blessings of God. I claim this. I claim that. It's like, oh, that's nice. Are you doing the things that God has asked you to do? Because he blesses obedience. He blesses us when we do what he tells us to do. And for those with an attitude of, well, show me God, and then I'll obey you. Bless me, then I'll do more. Don't expect anything from the hand of God. Don't expect it, because he doesn't work that way. Remember, he is our creator. We are his creation. We are his servants. Yet for Joseph, he said, I'm going to serve God no matter how raw my life has become. And it's become raw. (laughs) He was sold out by his own brothers, his family. He's a slave now, okay? But yet he's serving the Lord. Notice again in verse 2, we're told that he became successful. We don't know how long this took. It could have been a couple years now. We don't know, but he became successful. Verse 3 said, God caused all that he did to prosper. Verse 4 said he became Potiphar's personal servant out of all the other servants. He was in charge of his entire household, his cares, his finances, his buying, his selling, his crops in the field. Verse 6 said that Potiphar worried about nothing except for what he was going to eat that day. Wow, that's a pretty sweet life. I wonder what would happen to you and me if we simply lived our lives like Joseph lived his life. Walking with integrity, living with one goal, to serve and to please God in all that we do. It's just like this is what God called us to do, to be faithful servants of his before anything else, to put him first. Before we move on, did you notice what it said at the end of verse 6? It says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Do you know that the Bible rarely tells us about someone's looks? Now it does every now and then. We know that Esther was beautiful in form and appearance. Yeah, we know there's a few other people that stand out and they were beautiful. We know that Absalom, the son of David, was, uh, you know, he was a handsome young man and said he was beautiful and he had hair that grew crazy. But really, there's only like five or six people in the entire Bible. Think about that. Thousands of people are talked about in the Bible. And there's only like five or six that actually tells us that they were beautiful people. Well, Joseph's one of them. And it says form and appearance. He's just, he's super handsome, super good looking. He was chiseled, his appearance striking, but he's still a slave. He's a good looking slave though. And now he's in charge of all the affairs of this wealthy Egyptian. Now, when you really think about it at this point, this is like, wow. I mean, He's living high on the hog because this man's wealthy. 
He realizes this young man is doing everything. He's turned everything over to him. So I guarantee you he's living in the best place on his property. He's got new clothes. He's got everything. He's living high on the hog. He's living better than he's ever lived. He used to live out in the wilderness with his family in tents. He's in the big city now. They got running water, bass, everything. It's like, man, I'm sure he has now being blessed by his owner because his owner realizes, man, this guy, everything he touches turns to gold. Everything's great. God has turned Joseph's life completely around for the better. He is living what we're told in Romans 8.28. Wouldn't be written for thousands of years later, but he's living it. It says in Romans 8.28 that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. So it's like God's turned it around. Yeah, he was sold as a slave, but yet he's turned it all around. He's living better than he's ever lived. And right when you think Joseph was thinking, God, you are so good. You have redeemed my life from the pit. Things take a turn for the worse. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA all one word to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California 90034.